Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Um, my guest today is Ian Worrell, uh, founder of MyBits.io. Ian, how you doing? Hi, I'm good, Richard. How are you? Good. Yeah, would, would you start off just tell folks what uh, MyBit does? Sure. So our vision is to democratize machine ownership. So as IoT devices and machines start um, playing a bigger role in the world economy, we saw an opportunity where we could have the ownership of these machines and the resulting revenue streams um, be owned by people all over the world. And this is, you know, a lot of these IoT devices are going to be generating revenue, either per usage or per data or per, you know, producing solar energy and um, in that sector. Okay. And we didn't want the, you know, traditionally these financing models would result in a centralized institution um, owning these machines and all the revenue streams. Or if somebody wanted to purchase it, because a lot of them are expensive, if you're talking like solar, self-driving cars as they come out. You know, they're expensive, so they're going to have to go get a debt-based instrument from a financial institution to finance these. And we are not fans of debt at all. And we saw that, you know, since they're all interconnected to the, to the Internet, um, they can be managed by Ethereum smart contracts. So a really easy example is you're basically crowdfunding the ownership of these machines. And when they generate revenue then that um, payments are automatically distributed to the investors. So it's just a more fair democratic ownership model, and it also removes the financial barriers to entry, um, which, you know, makes a lot more investment opportunities accessible and frees up a lot of flow of money so these um, hardware devices can scale faster. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That's pretty cool. So let's take the example of a um, self-driving car. Would a group of investors crowdfund it and then they get a share of the revenue? Is that kind of the model? Yeah, and with any automated machinery. And the reason, you know, that's still too early for us to go into because it doesn't exist yet. But it's going to be coming very soon. And there's two components to that why we're really interested in it. There's the job displacement. So from a socioeconomic view, there's all these people whose jobs were replaced by automated machinery, not just self-driving cars, but farming equipment, construction equipment, delivery. Um, and just giving them an opportunity to invest and get, you know, a supplemental revenue stream. It's most likely not going to make up for the job they lost, but it's, it's better than nothing. And then the other component of that is when companies want to get into AI and autonomous cars, that requires massive investments. And if you look at companies like Uber that are service companies, 
you know, Uber can easily obtain financing to finance a whole fleet of self-driving cars because of who they are. But if you look at smaller companies, it's really expensive for them to jump into this. So by democratizing and opening up ownership, they could easily get into an AI infrastructure with, you know, automation and um, self-driving cars and autonomous machinery um, much easier because financing is more acceptable this way. So it's kind of a win from all angles. Yeah, that makes sense. So in addition to uh, self-driving cars or maybe like a solar farm, um, what are some other examples that you thought of? Yeah, so feeling that, we're uh, there'll be some that I haven't thought of. Yeah, so right now we're planning on starting with solar because, you know, that's really our passion. Um, but then the next vertical that we're going to target is smart homes. So commercial real estate is a very lucrative investment opportunity, but it's managed very archaically. And, you know, um, companies that manage investment properties and funds that invest in commercial projects, both for businesses and like residential apartment buildings, they typically take like a 20% management fee just for um, receiving all the payments from people renting it out and then distributing that. And it's a very slow process. And it's still done with old systems and there's really no need for that. So what we're doing with smart homes is really cool. And we're actually going to be starting to test this in Dubai next year is using um, a technology similar to like Slocket and Smart Lock. So you mm-hmm. can crowdfund the ownership through our platform and then you can enforce that, that the rent is actually being paid with the Smart Lock. So if somebody doesn't make payment for their office space or their apartment, the doors will lock and only the person who owns the building has the other private key to unlock it or, you know, until the person makes the payment. So then right when they make a lease payment, all the investors of that specific um, facility will get revenue distributions. So they don't, so it's very transparent, it's very clean and it removes like all the friction and fees that are currently in it. And then on top of that, some things we're looking at down the road are autonomous machinery, probably starting with commercial because consumer self-driving cars are going to have a lot of regulation and a lot of, you know, liabilities and insurance. So we think commercial machinery is going to come to market faster, but it's also anything that's connected to the internet, you know, cryptocurrency, ATMs, delivery drones, 3D printers. There's, there's really a lot of verticals that we can tie into with this. Um, which ones do you think are going to be substantial size payments and which ones are going to be so small that it may not matter at all. I mean, in, in order to generate income, would I have to have, you know, hundreds of different investments in these IoT machines? Each one gives me a tiny sliver of money, or you know, how do you envision this? That's really where we see everything going. Like, initially starting when we're rolling this out, it's going to be more substantial investments because it's limited to just solar and then just commercial property. But the long-term vision is we see investments across, diversified across many different industries. So you're getting small, like micropayments and fees from many different investments. And as you know, you see with like credit card processors that are worth tens, hundreds of billions, the, the real money is in the small transaction fees you're getting all the time. Seems like a big key though is going to be, um, the right crowdfunding or funding laws. You know, that if they go wrong or if they're not there, this could easily stop it. You know, requiring people to be accredited investors just to invest in a small time. Thing, you know, yeah, and that's our number. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's really the biggest barrier that we see and we're kind of prepping for because from a tech standpoint, it's, it's this is relatively easy to do. But as we're moving into different markets, the regulation and laws that don't exist yet 
could put a hinder on our operations. But the good thing is the world's a big place. And I think emerging markets really benefit the most from this. And emerging markets are always are typically the slowest on bringing regulation in. So I think there's, you know, at least a decade before we run into some major regulations that could inhibit this platform. But I think it provides so much benefit to consumers, investors, and even the hardware providers, because if financing is more accessible, they can sell more units. So you have a lot of people on our side. So teaming up together, we could just push regulation in the right direction. But as I stated before, it is a risk associated with this. What countries do you see as being the most friendly versus most unfriendly to this type of stuff? So most friendly, um, a lot of the EU when it comes to the solar industry, because they're really looking for ways to continue the acceleration and the adoption of clean energy solutions while simultaneously reducing tax incentives and other forms of like incentives and subsidies because that's kind of bankrupting them or not so much bankrupting, but draining their reserves for this. So I think the EU will be really friendly with solar. And I think China and Dubai are going to be very friendly with real estate because they love that and they love being able to invest in all of that. And we think that countries like the US and maybe even the UK are going to be the hardest to target because there's so much regulation and restriction there. Is there like a de minimis exemption of the number of investors or crowdfunders you could have on a project where you wouldn't have to worry about the regulations or or no? Um, I mean, it really depends on a per usage case with that. Gotcha. So how far along are you with um, solar projects, you know, them being uh, funded by multiple people and sharing in the revenue? Would, you said the technology is the easy part. Where are you guys at with that? So we have a, um, a testnet application that simulates the entire platform from start to finish. And what we're focusing on in September, October, and early November is actually integrating into the solar provider. So we're talking to several throughout the EU. And the next steps are really just finalizing that and then integrating with them to test all the automation. And then our, we're on track to have um, our alpha released in January of this year, actually testing it um, in Berlin. What do you think will be the uh, investment required for a solar project and what will be the rate of return? What's your estimates? So it's typically about 15,000 to 20,000 euro to outfit a house in this area. Germany is a unique market because they pay feed-in tariffs. So just for producing clean energy, you get paid. You don't have to sell it back to the grid or, you know, in the future, sell it to your neighbors. So the rate of return right now is about 6% from what we've compiled with all the data, which is pretty lucrative for, you know, a relatively stable investment. Um, and then, you know, as hardware and solar advances, it's getting um, more productive and the cost is decreasing very quickly. So those returns should just continue to go up. So with this, I, I misunderstood. I thought it was like a solar farm. I didn't think it was for an individual house that had panels. No, we're actually focusing be- on micro and nano grids. So there's other, there's one other, I think it's Sun Contracts. Don't quote me on that though. Um, that's really focusing on these commercial giant farms. What we're doing is focusing on the decentralized micro and nano grids right at people's house. So what, yeah, what's the scope of a, a nano grid? Or is it just like a neighborhood of houses or one house? Or what does it look like? Yeah, so a nano grid is typically like one to three houses in a neighborhood. A micro grid would be like a small municipality, like a town of like 5,000 people, typically. What would be considered a micro? What's the, um, you know, let's say four houses that are all adjacent have solar 
how much more of a benefit is that to them sharing their electricity than than uh, one house? Does each house have a solar panels or just one does? They they share from there. Or how does it work? Um, our goal is to have as many houses as possible have it because one ha- one um, solar on one house at the current rate could not produce enough electricity for four or five houses. So there would still be a depth. So right now it's just getting them on as many houses as possible. So all the uh, let's say it's on uh, I don't know twenty houses in a neighborhood. So everyone would have panels. They wouldn't have to pay the full cost to them. Everyone would share the electricity and also share in the in any excess capacity and revenue from that, revenue from that. It would be more of a individual approach. So there's a lot of regulation with sharing energy with your neighbors. So right now it's really for personal benefit. And in most markets, you're allowed to, outside of Germany, sell back to the centralized grid. Peer-to-peer sharing of energy um, becomes a regulatory issue. There's a lot of blockchain startups working on that. But you actually become considered a public utility, and there's a lot of tax implications and licensing implications with that. That's definitely like our future vision. But we're not actively working on facilitating the peer-to-peer because there's five or six um, major blockchain companies working on that. So that'll end up being like an integration. So it's very individualistic with this right now. So if you're not sharing, are investors investing in one house's ability to create electricity? Right. Exactly. Okay. So even though maybe a a small micropayment, if I invest in a hundred houses and I get a tiny micropayment from each, it starts to add up. Exactly. Okay. Makes sense. Interesting. It's very sad. That's uh, there's regulations around sharing energy and uh, and getting this stuff moving, you know, and the investment side of it. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be, we think it's going to take some time, but I think within the next three years, um, peer-to-peer energy will actually be a lot easier to do and the regulations will fall back because traditional utility companies can still profit from that because it's their infrastructure and their pipes and all of that that allow the transfer of peer-to-peer energy. So they can still find a way to profit off of that, and I think they're realizing that. So they can help push legislation um, to kind of reduce those regulations there. So when do you think you're going to open up, up the solar projects to investors? You said perhaps around January um, or later? Or? It's large scale. It's going to be a little bit later than that. The alpha is going to be it's a partially open alpha where we're targeting you know, one small location in the Berlin area and investors are going to be, you know, regulation permitting. That's really a legal question, but our vision is to allow investors from all over the world to be able to start testing the platform and crowdfunding that neighborhood. And large scale projects, you know, across Germany is probably going to be more towards late spring or summer of next year, realistically. So are you just going to purely focus on solar or what are the other major type of... uh investment setups you want to do early on? Early on, we are exploring doing a going to market with two verticals at the same time. And it's smart homes in Dubai and then expanding in that area. And then um, solar in Germany. And those are going to be the first two. And those are large enough industries where if we gain, you know, we want to validate by gaining substantial traction in those two verticals and then analyze expanding, you know, 18 months from now, maybe 24 months. How would the smart homes work? What would people own and, and get revenue from in home? 
Um, it's the example I gave for more of um, investing in these properties. So, and then reinforced with like a slocket type technology. So it's investing in the building of them and then they're getting paid by people just renting them. I call it smart homes because they're connected via smart lock. Oh, okay. I was thinking about the other aspects of the home, the lights and everything. Yeah, we ha- we have like, like a long-term vision. You know, don't know. Right now, it's not really feasible. But we kind of see where there's an opportunity. It could be five or ten years from now. You know, it's a while away. But you can invert the financing model for these IoT devices. And basically, instead of, you know, having to buy a smart home application or like hardware, it could be given for free. And the owner of the house or whoever's living there pays per usage and goes back to investors. But there's, you know, there's a lot with that, with not just managing the payments and everything, but really on the fraud and the damage side if something happens to these devices while they're in the house. So there's a lot more components with that. But that's something that in a perfect world, we'd like to see happen in like five or seven years. Why would you deal with um, individuals in the solar projects and the smart home living? Why not deal with commercial entities instead um, because you know, the opportunity is much, much yeah the opportunity is okay. actually much bigger with the micro and nano grids because these homes and structures already exist versus taking up farmland and you know having giant fields out there and there's already um, like sun contract focusing on these large-scale projects and um, investment funds and it, that focus on solar only focus on these large scale projects. So hitting that micro nano grid is, you know, a hundred billion dollar market that nobody's touching because there's no technology to date that enforces it. And that's what we're building. Yeah. I guess what comes to mind with, you know, the smart homes, for instance, if someone doesn't pay, you lock them out, you know, but different countries, different places have sometimes very strong eviction laws and tenants rights laws, right. you know, Right. So the way we're bringing this to market instead of just, you know, launching it and saying, you know, like a free for all, anyone in the world can do this. Anyone in the world can invest. We're rolling it out on a market to market basis. So that way we can analyze all the regulations, all everything associated with that to make sure, you know, we're not going to get in over our heads in the platform being messed. So it's a very articulated and thought out strategy on how we bring it to market slowly and phase it in on different markets. Gotcha. Yeah, just last couple of questions. What um you know, you mentioned again solar, smart homes. Uh what other types of IoT machines do you think will be out there that are gonna be you know, super monetizable, even if you're not working on them right now? Um, it's gonna be autonomous drones for delivery and autonomous machinery for like farming and um construction and um commercial like warehouse type machinery. And that's what we really see right now, um, you know, within the next three years. And then after that, it's um, 3D printing, self-driving cars. And something we're also just interested in is um, cryptocurrency ATM, because those can be pretty profitable based on um, the spread on what they charge versus what they buy at. And to really stimulate, you know, it's like really a personal interest for our team because we want to accelerate cryptocurrency adoption. And to do that, you really need to make these cryptocurrencies more accessible. And it's coming a long way with exchanges as it was like three or four years ago. But just people like, you know, seeing, touching, like you have to phase it in with things they understand. So while you're seeing like cryptocurrency debit cards, 
um, the ATMs are a pretty big hit. So that's another thing we're looking at. And then I'm sure, you know, as the machine economy really starts taking off, there's a lot of things that we haven't even thought of or that don't even exist yet that can be applied. Okay, well, very good. So how can people find out more about MyBit and possibly get involved in the, the Alpha, some of your other projects? Yeah, so they can go to mybit.io to view our white paper and some demos and some presentations. And to get involved, um, we recommend joining our Slack channel or Telegram groups just to start engaging with the team in the community. And join our mailing list via our website where we'll post information over the next month about partnerships, joining Alpha, and all of that information. Oh, one last question. Are you going to be issuing a token, an investment token, that can be used across any of your initiatives, or is it going to be uh, take a different form? Meaning what? You know, would, would my bid issue a token? Let's say, you know, I wanted to invest in uh, 10 different projects you're running. Do I have to invest in each of them individually? Or, you know, what about if you guys offered a token, called like a MyBit token, where... Yeah, that's, one that's buy, exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So the MyBit token that we're offering right now in the token sale, which is live until August 15th, is individually investing in each project. And that gives people just autonomy to decide what projects they want. But we're sure as something like this actually gains traction, there's going to be companies like Mellonport or like asset management companies that can create ETFs where you can invest a MyBit token into a group of different projects. So it's easier to diversify. Okay, excellent. Thanks for the clarification. Okay, Ian. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I think this is going to be uh, you know, really innovative and great stuff. Cool. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.